And so Jesus will come back again, not as a baby in the manger, but as the Lion of Judah and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he returns and will rule and reign for a thousand years at the end of the tribulation. Now, what we believe as independent Baptists is that first three and a half years uh, before uh, is, is a time of peace. And so the people will be confused. So the church will have been raptured out of here. And you've got to understand when the church is raptured out of here, this is what is so important for us to understand that it is the people that is the church. And here's the reason I need you to understand this is, where is the Holy Spirit? It's in us, isn't it? So when we're taken out of here, guess who goes? Are you with me? Who goes with us? The Holy Spirit's gone. Now the church in which we're meeting and they're in this building and we're meeting together, now these Ephesus, they'll still be standing all over the place. And the other thing that'll still exist is this book. It'll still be laying around for people to see. But here's the thing. You imagine how wicked this world is right now and the Holy Spirit is here indwelling believers. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? And we look around and we see the wickedness of the world. Can you imagine what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit is taken out of here? What is it going to be like when the Holy Spirit is taken? And there's no more restraint. Are you with me? It's the Holy Spirit that's restraining. Are you with me? So it's going to be a very different time. That first three and a half years of the tribulation, they're going to be saying peace and safety. And then at the middle point of that, you begin reading in the book of Revelation, you get to chapter 6, and you begin to see what starts to happen. You look at chapter 4 and on, and you see a change of what's going to take place on this earth. And so tonight, we're looking at just a small little segment of what's going to take place. So he says he's going to come as a thief in the night. Now here's what I want to challenge you. I, I thought about this. Imagine uh, feeling safe and resting peacefully in your home tonight. And then you wake up in the morning and all your belongings are gone. That'd be a strange feeling, wouldn't it? Nothing's there and you're still here. That'd be a little strange, wouldn't it? You'd wonder what in the world happened. Uh, this would leave you probably pretty baffled as to how it happened. And you are not aware of that time even occurring. You didn't even realize that it took place. And that took place while you were resting, while you were sleeping. I got to thinking about this. There's some distinct differences between the saved and the unsaved. As much as the unsaved are uncertain about their end, although they think they're sure about it, they believe that they're in control of their own destiny, and they are not. You see, if you go back and you read, and we'll look at some of these verses in just a moment, you go back and look at some of these verses, they are not in control of their destiny. God is. And what it is, is that we heard this morning, there is a time that every man, woman, and child on this earth, prior to Christ's return, will get an opportunity to get saved. And when they reject that salvation, I believe, personally, that's the unpardonable sin. It can't be forgiven once they die. And what it is, they reject the Holy Ghost. They reject the Spirit of the Lord. And they reject Him. And so what happens is, is that every human being on this earth will be without excuse. Are we clear on that? Because the Bible clearly teaches us they're without excuse. They will not have any excuse when they stand before God. What are we responsible for? To remind this world that one Jesus is coming again. Amen? That is our message to the world right now. 
And so we look at this and we see this as much as the unsaved are uncertain about their end. You know what the Lord wants us to be fully aware of? We have a certain end as well, amen? And it's coming as well. And so we'll meet the Lord in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a wonderful thing to know as a saved person. But an unsaved person knoweth not what the hour is in which he cometh. They do not know. And so I want to challenge you with something tonight. I want you to think about this. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I say that to you because you need to know for sure that you're saved. <laughs> you need to know that if you die today, heaven is your home. And, and, and listen, we don't know when he's coming, but I can guarantee you one thing. He is. <laughs> and he's going to return. And so what is your status? Where are you? What is your belief? What influence is Christ having in your life? If you were made fully aware of the coming of a thief, you would wait and watch, would you not? Would you agree? You'd wait and watch for it. And I, I, I believe I've shared this story with you. I was working for a company at one point, and some things happened at this company, and there were some folks there uh, that decided they were going to go on a rampage, and they decided to come and actually uh, vandalize our vehicles. And I lived in a third-floor apartment at the time in Chantilly, Virginia. I had an old Dodge Charger. Now, when I say that, I don't want you to get the wrong image in your mind. It was not like the Dukes of Hazard. I had it in the 1980s, so it looked like a little Dodge Omni. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about now, right? And these guys would come at night, and they decided to take our oil plugs out. They threw bricks into our windshields. Uh, they kept putting air, taking the air out of our tires multiple times. They were mad at the company. They had got busted for embezzling money from the company. And uh, I was a part of the, <laughs> the uh, uncovering of that problem. And they found me to be the bad guy. And so they were coming to my apartment at night and doing this thing. Now I want to tell you, if I'd known what hour they were coming, do you think I would have not waited and maybe picked up the phone and called the police? I remember one night I even had a video recorder and I kept trying to park my car underneath the lights outside. So it was right outside my bedroom window and I set a video camera up hoping that I could catch them. And the one night that I didn't set it up, guess what happened that night? That's the night that the thief came in the what? That's the night he came. And so it was always difficult to catch them. Now eventually they got caught because they got caught by security on the property. But the fact is, is that I could not catch them because I knew not what hour they would come. Are you with me? You know what Jesus is saying here? He said, but the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a what? Thief in the night. When's it going to happen? Don't know. I don't know when it's going to occur. So the warning has been given and the need is to be preparing there's three really specific contrasts between the believers and the unbelievers. I want to talk to you very quickly about the times and the seasons. I want to talk to you about that thief in the night. And I want to talk to you about the phrase that is used, and that is peace and safety. And so there's three things really in these four verses that are extremely important. The times and the seasons, this is a phrase that's found in the Scriptures only three times. We see it here, and it's found in two other places, once in the Old Testament and once again in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Let me read these two verses to you. Here's what it says in Daniel. This is what's so wonderful about God's Word. Would you agree? I mean, there's just so much wonderful stuff about it. Daniel chapter 2, 
Verse 21. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. So the times and the seasons that he's talking about in Daniel, he said, you know, God raises people up. God sets people down. There is a time and a season for everything. And in this particular case, Paul's talking about a specific time and a specific season that is coming upon mankind. It's called the day of the Lord. <laughs> and he goes on in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. We don't necessarily know when it's going to happen. It's going to come as a thief in the night. And so we can look at this from this perspective that God has a definite plan for the nations of the world. And the one thing that we have to understand, and folks, this is why it's so important for our relationship with the nation of Israel. They are the key nation. They are the center of everything. If you look, I heard on the news the other day that, that the nation of Israel is the biggest threat in the Middle East. And they showed all these lands around them, and they look like a speck on the map. <laughs> and they are the biggest threat to the Middle East. Now I want to share something with you. Why do you think they continue to attack Israel? Why do you think that, that it, it's so wonderful that Donald Trump recognized them the way that he did? <laughs> Why is it so wonderful that this little place on a map is so big to God? Because that's his chosen people, Amen. It's a big deal. And so he tells them, and we can see this from his perspective, that God has a definite plan for, for the nations of the world, but he has a definite plan for Israel, the key nation, and God has ordained times and seasons for the nations of the earth, in particular Israel. So the phrase, the times and the seasons, indicates since the world began, God has a plan in place, and there is a day that the appointment of the Lord will come upon the world. There is an appointed time. Just as Christ, do you recall Christ saying in the scriptures at one point, he said, my time has not yet come. Do you remember him saying that? And they wanted him to become king. They wanted him to go into Jerusalem. They wanted him to do these things. He said, my time has not yet come. There was an appointed time that it was going to happen. And the same is true of this here, that there's an appointed time. So Paul told them at Thessalonica that he should not have to remind them of this truth and that they should already be aware of this coming appointment of the Lord. And all that we find here will culminate itself into a terrible time. And we call it the day of the Lord, but it's not going to be a great day. It's called the day of the Lord. It's going to be a very terrible time. And all we find here will culminate into that. So to put the rest of this into context, the day of the Lord is a time when God will judge the world and punish the nations. And at that time, that same time, God will prepare Israel for the return of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ to the earth to establish his kingdom. And Amos, I love this, man, because this all goes together. In the book of Amos, in the Old Testament, a little tiny book in the Old Testament, here's what he says. He says in Amos 5.18, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? Isn't that an interesting question? I mean, that comes out of the Old Testament. What is it in for you? And then he goes on and he makes this statement there. He said, the day of the Lord is darkness and not light. I want you to know the day of the Lord it's going to be a terrible time for those that are still here. It's going to be rough. Now we come to some verses in Joel when he says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in thy holy mountain, my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Listen, there's a time 
that these inhabitants are saying that they will tremble in the land. This is not a great day. It's a very bad day for those that are here. The wrath of the Lord is going to come upon them. As we look in the scriptures, Brother Chris, if you would stand and read aloud, Brother First uh, uh, Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. It starts with the great day of the Lord. Hopefully we're on the same page. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly, even as the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. Neither uh, their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord, in, in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of, the, of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy ridden of all them that dwell in the land. Now, this is Old Testament. He's telling us what's going to happen yet future. It's an amazing passage. And what he's telling us is the day of the Lord is not going to be a good time. And men will think that their money and their silver and their gold will save them. And God said, not going to happen. He didn't say it was going to be a good day. He said it was going to be a day of distress, didn't he? He said it was going to be a dark day. He said it was going to be a gloomy day. He said it was going to be a terrible day. And so the day of the Lord, when we're talking about Jesus coming as a thief in the night, I want you to understand something. The world may be saying peace and safety because for that first three and a half years of the tribulation, things will go well until the Antichrist goes into the, the temple and sets himself up as God, and it's going to be a problem. And when he does, the world at large will not believe that he's not God. <laughs> They will think that he is. What Brother Chris just read to you is a time of distress. It's a terrible time. And he says, what will happen is, and I will bring distress upon men, that they shall walk like blind men. Folks, we have a lot of blind men today. We have a lot of blind people to the gospel today. And the purpose of Calvary Chapel is to help shed some light in the darkness. That's why we're here. That's the purpose of the local church. It is not just for us to have seated numbers or a certain group of people. Listen, it is about what God wants to do. And we have a responsibility to witness to the lost. Listen, we are that lighthouse in the darkness here in Auglaize County. In this area, we've been given that responsibility because I want you to understand what it's saying here. He says that this darkness will come upon them. They'll be like blind men because they've sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Hey, listen, that is a terrible time for the world. Not a good time. And then we go into Isaiah. <laughs> and I want Brother Jim to read chapter 2, verses 12, and then verses 20 and 21, if you would, for me. Isaiah 2, 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Verse 20. And the 
in that day a man shall cast uh, his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they have made, each one of them, each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats. Verse 21. To go into the cleft of the rock and into the top of the red rock for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Wow. Now, we just heard about the money, didn't we? And believe me, how many of you have heard money makes the world go round? No, God does. Amen. God makes the world go round. And one of the things that men are going to trust in is their finances. They believe that what they own, what they possess, and what they have is going to be the difference. And I want to challenge you to realize that no matter what we possess on this earth, we are not taking it with us. And what men are going to trust in and what God says you need to trust in is two different things. God wants us to trust in Him. So here's the challenge for you and me. He said, for, the fear, of, uh, for fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty, when He arises to shake terribly the earth, He said, man, these guys are going to go into the clefts of the rocks and to the ragged tops of the hills. Hey, they're going to be hiding. <laughs> it's going to be a terrible time. And they thought that their money and their gold were going to save them. Their idols were going to save them. Those things they made by hand is going to save them. Now, knowing and believing the truth will allow us to escape what is to follow these times and the seasons and the day of the Lord. So for you, I pray that you're saved tonight. You see, that trunk could sound tonight. We can meet the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the tribulation begins. And when it does, it's going to seem like everything is so wonderful. It's so great. And at the end of three and a half years, the tables are going to turn. And it's going to be a terrible time. And a lot of destruction is going to come up on the earth. Now, the return of Christ will be swift. It'll be undetected by the unsaved. So it says, a thief in the night. Now, I shared my story with you because if we knew when that was going to happen, we'd be prepared. We'd be ready for it. And you would think that that's the message that we want to get out. This brings us now to the place of the Lord's arrival time, a thief in the night. The time of the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. This is uh, of an extended period of time beginning with the tribulation. It includes the second coming of the millennial kingdom on earth. And Paul uses a term, cometh unexpectedly as a thief in the night. And I share this with you. If I knew when somebody was breaking in, I would take care of it. Do you know, folks, just think about this, and I don't know about you, uh, I hate what's going on in Virginia right now. They're trying to take their guns away from them. I don't know if you watched this or not. I mean, it's terrible what they're doing in Virginia. And so what they're trying to do is take away their Second Amendment right and try to get rid of it. And here's the thing. I called the police one night. And we lived out on a piece of property in Virginia. They could not find me. People who lived in the county for an extended period of time could not find my house. The next day, I went and got my concealed carry license. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that if someone's going to break into my house, I want to be able to protect what belongs to me, right? But I never know when they're going to do it. <laughs> And this is what Jesus is trying to help them understand. This is what Paul is trying to explain to the church of Thessalonica. He's trying to help them understand that we don't know when the rapture is going to occur, and we definitely don't know when the second coming is going to come. We just know that he is. Now, here, let me challenge you on some things. He says in Matthew 24, 43, But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in the watch uh, the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Would you agree? 
And so what we're doing is we're trying to warn people that there's this coming day of the Lord. This is not a good thing. (laughs) This is a day of wrath. Now, for you and me that are saved, we're not going to be exposed to this. But for those that are unsaved, they have nothing good to look forward to. In Revelation 3, 3 and in 16, 15, he said, Remember, therefore, how that thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So will be a time that will happen in such a fashion that the lost will not be able to detect that he's coming. And folks, listen, the only way that they will is by faith and salvation. And they need to have faith in Christ. Now, we have an understanding that all those that are saved have been taken from the earth through the rapture, and those that remain will be left without the Spirit of the Lord's presence. And Paul had already described to the people at Thessalonica the coming of the Lord in his church in 4, 13 through 18. Now he's describing what is to come. And, and I want to get into this, but not tonight, because over in 2 Thessalonians, and we'll get into this later, you'll see it's, it's laid out even more what Paul begins to write to them about, and we'll see this about that Antichrist and what's going to take place. So I won't get into that too deep tonight. A time a severe tribulation will follow and then the return of Christ to the earth at the end of the tribulation, and that's really what's in view. So the study of the Scriptures helps you to understand this and those end times. And folks, listen, you need to read the book of Revelation. You need to understand the end times. You need to understand. I have saved people ask me all the time. They're so afraid to read the book of Revelation. I said, what would cause you to be fearful of reading the book of Revelation. If you're saved, you have nothing to fear. <laughs> Amen? We have everything to witness for because of the book of Revelation. Amen? Everything that it says should cause us to understand what is to come upon loved ones and co-workers and family and friends and neighbors. This could come upon them at any time. And so that should challenge us and have that urgency in our hearts to go and get this message out. The saved are removed and severe tribulation will follow from the unsaved. So what is it that they say? Well, look, in verse 3, for when they shall say peace and safety, notice what it says, then sudden destruction. You think about sudden destruction, how quickly is that? In um, 1995, Elise was born, and um, uh, 95, right? 96, 96, 1996. In 1996, we were... Uh, I had that old Ford Explorer. You guys should have seen that thing. I should have taken a picture and showed you. I had almost 400,000 miles on that car, man, uh, before I got rid of it. And the only reason I got rid of it is because I just didn't feel like fixing the brakes. But anyway, I had this old Ford Explorer, but uh, we were, uh, Elise was just a baby. And, and, And we were driving. I had the green light. And I was coming out into the intersection, and there was a four lane highway with a median in the middle. And as soon as I got out into the highway, I got, wham, hit. Didn't see it coming. It was sudden, what? Destruction, wasn't it? It happened so fast. Spun that truck all the way around, headed me. I was heading uh, east, and I was turned around headed west. That's how hard the car hit us. And spun us all the way around in the other direction. And the wonderful thing was is that it didn't, it, it kind of caught the back door, but what absorbed most of the shock is it hit the tire. It was a Nissan Pulsar. Only God could have designed this, right? That thing had a nose on it like this that was, like, down. And, and she was going at an excessive rate of speed. 
and she told the officers that she was only going about 25, and he said, I don't believe you. <laughs> there were no skid marks, and my truck was headed in the other direction. And the thing of it was, is I remember when it happened, when I was inside the vehicle, this is what occurred. What just happened? Have any of you ever been in an accident? How many of you just, you're shocked. You don't even know what just happened to you. I was out on a boat with my father-in-law one day. We were scooting across the water pretty quick. He had a seat on the front of the boat, and there was one in the center of the boat and one in the back of the boat. And, uh, and I was driving the boat, and Anita was on the front of the boat. And we were just, just scooting along the water. And all of a sudden, that boat just went, Bzzz! and all of a sudden, my father-in-law was gone, Anita was gone, and the boat was sitting like this. And when it was sitting like that, I thought, what just happened? And my brother-in-law had enough wherewithal to reach up and hit the kill switch on the thing because we were just sitting there spinning in circles now because we went up on a side and came down and we were just the cable had broken on the steering I didn't know where my wife was I didn't know where my father-in-law was sudden what destruction we feel safe sometimes don't we The world is going to feel safe. Peace and safety. And what? Sudden destruction is coming. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Such a loving God, He is. Such a patient God, He is. Such a caring God, He is. But He's also a jealous God, as Chris just read. And too many people are giving their worship to everything but God. And it's happening in our society today. We worship Wall Street more than we do God. We worship our 401ks more than we do the Savior who saved our soul. We worship what we possess, what we own, more than we do our God. And so what does he say? Peace and safety. What we now see is what the believer will not be exposed to, peace and safety and sudden destruction, it says, travail or labor shall not escape, escape or flee out. He says this in this passage, and sudden destruction cometh upon him as a trail veil upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And I've shared this with you. When, when Michael was born, I remember laying down. I had gotten home late from work, and I was laying down in the bed. And uh, Anita had a bad habit of taking the palm of her hand and smacking me on my chest whenever she was scared. It would wake me up like that. And she said, the baby's coming. I said, I just said, you know how you just, how many of you know when you're just kind of just starting? Are, are you with me? You're just almost there. Anybody ever been there and somebody come in and wake you up suddenly? Guess what she didn't get to choose? She didn't get to choose when Michael was coming. <laughs> he was coming. I had a Dodge Neon at the time. It was like a lawnmower. You had to lift the hood and go, get it going. I remember going down 95. I had my foot so far into that carburetor, and it was like, wee! All of 65. <laughs> Couldn't get that thing going any faster. And I had to get all the way from Leesburg to 
Fairfax. Going as fast as that thing could. I thought I was going to get out and run faster than it was running. And we arrived at the hospital, and Anita said, the baby's coming. She had already had two, so she said, the baby's coming. I said, the baby's coming. One. One. There we go. <laughs> See, I'm all messed up. She said, the baby's coming. They said, no. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> she said, the baby's coming. We got up in the room. They said, the baby's coming. They said, we're going to give you an epidural. They walked in the room. I was standing there. I was exhausted, Dave. They brought the epidural in, and I went, donk. And they were like, grab the dad. I could hear him. I'm like, donk. I'm like, oh. I don't like needles, by the way. <laughs> but it came, how? Suddenly. And they said that it'll be a couple of hours, and it was minutes. And that little guy back there was screaming at the top of his lungs. And I say to you, like a travail that comes up on a woman in labor, it happens. You don't get to pick and choose. <laughs> it just happens. And so I share that with you. Why? This day of the Lord is going to come like that. And this travail, this labor, they shall not escape. Listen, believers are not in darkness and will not be overtaken by this day. The unsaved world is going about their routine, enjoying false peace. Listen, let's not be ignorant of what Paul's teaching us. <laughs> We're going about our routines like everything's always going to be this way. How many of you think that? And we're saved. <laughs> and we just go about it day after day after day like it's just going to continue being, don't we? It just is what it is. And what God's telling us is to be prepared. The unsaved world, we were going about their routines and the world's going to be caught by surprise because men are not listening to God's word. They're not heeding the warning. And I want to give you four that I want you to think about, okay? And we'll be done. Noah and his family were warned. Were they not? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13. Were they warned? Absolutely they were warned. How many of the people on earth wanted to listen? I only remember... Six people getting on the boat. How about you? And the entire world, eight. Eight people got on. And so the entire world did what? It perished. They didn't believe, did they? How about Lot and his family? They were warned, were they not? Genesis chapter 19. They were warned, and what happened? <laughs> And the entire city was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And his wife evidently didn't believe because she turned and looked back, didn't she? And so it came upon him. Jesus warned his generation. If you go to Matthew 24, 34 through 35, he was warning that generation. And now we have the scriptures in a written form, and it's warning our generation. <laughs> and it's saying, here it is. And he teaches us that if you read Acts chapter 2, 39 through 41 there. As the children of light, we're to be on guard and on guard duty and on watch and praying so that we're not taken by surprise, obviously. In Luke 12, 35 through 40, he said, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet 
and will come forth and serve them. And if I shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would have suffered his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. The night and the darkness is associated with sin throughout the Scriptures, and this truth is what brings light to the world. John 3, 19 through 21, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, and they are wrought in God. So what am I sharing with you tonight? Your knowledge of the Scriptures is important. These two books, these two letters written by Paul to the church of Thessalonica seem insignificant, but they're not. <laughs> they're very important to your understanding of what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is going to do. And so we need a better understanding. I challenge you on a Wednesday night, read, study, apply, right? Read, study, and apply. And you say, how does this apply to me? We ought to be on watch. We ought to be on guard duty. And a guard warns them when trouble is coming. Trouble is coming. And we ought to be on duty warning every person that we can while we're on watch, whether you come in the second hour or the third. Let's pray. Father.